Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. We are, we are so thankful for everybody that makes Sunday happen, um, for uh, the Montgomery's coming and helping sound, helping set up. Um, and uh, Cherry and Rebecca. I knew once I started naming people, I'd get into trouble because I always miss somebody. Uh, Sarah and Hannah and everybody. If you are on that, if you came this morning, would you raise your hand? <laughs> Dana, thank you. All the rest of you guys. Greg, man, these guys are amazing. We have a wonderful team. Um, if you have a Bible this morning, go over to Galatians chapter 1. And if it's okay, I'm just going to share some things that God put on my heart that are, are things that I literally had to write down. Um, and so I'm going to read some of them to you because I, I just feel like they're so important. Um, because we're looking at 20, we're already in 2021. We're already heading down the road here in 2021. And how many of you know that I see young people getting married. My, my daughter, Becca, has been going to a lot of weddings lately because she has a lot of friends that are getting married. She's at that age. I got married at 25. And I don't know why I said I would always get married at 25. And when 25 rolled around, I got married. So glory to God. You can have what you say. It works. you know. And, uh, and, but how many of you know the marriage is more important than the wedding? Wedding's important. Because you need, to, you need to have a covenant, that covenant, that's a sacred event that happens when you get married. But the marriage is what's going to last. And so we've always encouraged our kids to focus on the marriage. Marry your best friend. Marry the person that you're going to be able to live with for the rest of your life. You know, um, In fact, I work part-time at a pregnancy resource center doing counseling with men. Oftentimes, I meet men uh, who have gotten a girl pregnant, and although they might, be, they might be good in bed together, that doesn't mean they'll be good married together. Can I get an amen from somebody? That was kind of weak, but maybe you guys don't understand that. But, you know, just because you can make a baby together doesn't mean you connect on all levels, you know. And so, you know, we encourage these guys. Well, here's what I'm saying about that is coming out of 2020, moving into 2021 is moving from a place where, you know, we had a crazy year last year. It was unprecedented. And my, my cousin said, I'm ready to get back to precedented times. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody's ready to try and get back to some normalcy. But what if 2020 was a year that was a preparation for 2021? What if 2020 was a time of defining who you are in your relationship with Jesus so that you have strength coming in? to 2021, knowing that persecution will arise, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I mean, you've become more steadfast, more stable in who you are, that you can face 2021 with boldness and courage and resilience and, and relentlessness. Is that a word? Ness? Can I add ness to relentlessness? Yeah. Man, so let me read to you a little bit about this. I, this is what God gave me. How do you grow a healthy church. So I want to talk a little bit about us moving forward and cast some vision for 2021 for Vision Church. How do we grow a healthy church? 
Some people say it's through programs, marketing strategies, following organized processes, and proven models. Some people say it's having a clear, definable set of core values to follow as a church. Some people say it's by presentation, location, accommodations, and relevance. My pastor, Village O'Doherty in Tulsa, made this statement. It was such a powerful statement. He said, he said many are now, I want to say it the way he said it. Um, many have sacrificed the message in the name of relevance. Wow, that's a dangerous place to be. And so Galatians chapter 1, if you're there, look at verse 10. I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation, but it'll, it'll be okay. You'll get over it, okay? Those of you that, you know, are King James Version only people. But let me read it to you. Um, it says in verse 10, I'm obviously not trying... Thought I could get there, but this will, I'll go better if I put on my glasses. All right. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down the message to be popular with men. How many of you realize there's some of that going on? But my supreme passion is to please God. My supreme passion is to please God. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is having a passion and a purpose to please him. If you were to ask me, Phil, what is your goal for Vision Church? I get asked this often. What, what's the vision for the church that you're pastoring? What's the goal? Where do you see us going? What's your vision for a year from now, for five years from now, for 10 years from now? And ever since, because we didn't get to start Vision Church the way many other people have started churches, they've come to town, they've taken a year to diagnose, to look at how many people, where the money is, and, 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 and to look at the demographics, and then put together their teams, and then they launch. They set a launch date, and they work toward it, and by the time their teams are together, then they launch, right? And I didn't get, we didn't get that luxury at Vision Church. We were literally thrown in. And so all during the time as, as God, we were transitioning from where we were into pastoring a brand new church, I said, I, my, my whole heart was, God, what's the vision for the church? What's the vision for the church? What's the vision for the church? I even put a picture on my bathroom wall that had a cutout of a large, a large group of people sitting in seats and a worship team leading worship. And, I, and then I wrote over that picture, 500. I don't know why. I just picked that number out of the air, put it on there. And God brought me back to his vision for the church. Because what's our goal as a church? Is it more butts in the seats? I mean, is that our goal? Is that our goal? Because let me tell you, the, the numbers are never satisfied. Some pastors I've heard say, well, God doesn't care. I heard one pastor say this. God doesn't care about numbers. Well, yeah, he does. He wrote a whole book called The Book of Numbers. Have you ever read it? I mean, it's all that. Because numbers are not numbers. Numbers are people. <laughs> you know, God loves people. 
It's souls. Yeah, I mean, it, it's your man. And so, so what's the goal of the church? I mean, is it? No, the goal of the church. And so what I did was I, I took that picture down on the mirror. I just took it off. I said, God, I want to know what your vision is. I don't want to just guess and to try and guesstimate what's your vision for the church. And you know what the Lord said to me? Uh, he didn't say anything. He told me what to go do. And I, I went and I asked Zach to send me this picture that he had. And it's, and it's a silhouette of the face of Jesus. And he said, cut that out. Hang that on your mirror. Because that's my vision for 2021 is him. Our vision for 2021 as a church is to please him. Yes. In everything that we do. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I just, wow. I mean, it just overwhelmed me. You know, because there, you have so many well-meaning friends. I have so many pastor friends. And, they're, man, they're so great. They're amazing people. You know, and, and everybody has a suggestion for the way that you should operate, the way that you should function as a church and what you should pursue and, and how, how you should put it together. And, but you know what I found is I, I asked God about that, and he began to share with me how to build a healthy church. And I want to share that with you this morning. Is that okay? I just felt like this was very timely for us as a church. And... First, I better read the scripture, and then I'll, then I'll get right into that, okay? I read the scripture this morning. It's in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked or share in the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of of the great I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of the light of his word. Thank you, Lord. That's what we choose to do. And so, you know, so I wrote this down because I used to say this about people. I used to say, are we giving them a reason to come? Now, what I'm saying is, are we giving him a reason to come? Because that's more important. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men to myself. If I'm lifted high, man, and, and, if, and if, his, if, if the spirit of worship and praise that's in this room draws his presence, then guess what's in his, the middle of his presence? Not only fullness of joy, but thank God, many of you could use some joy. Because sometimes I preach and I see people's faces. Not right now. Of course, nobody in here, okay? I'm just talk, I'm talking about people that aren't here. Let's talk about the people that aren't here. They come, you know, and it, I mean, you think, there's times I think they left the iron on at home or something because the look on their face, you know, you just look and it's like, no, no, in his presence is fullness of joy. And you can't be joyous without putting a smile on your face, can you? But not only that, in, the, in his presence is healing. Man, he comes with healing in his wings. Man, and, and when his presence is in the room, man, then we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We can cast out demons. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's talk for a moment about building a healthy church. So God gave me four points to building a healthy church. And I'm going to give you the first one. Number one is to make God the chief architect. Make God the chief architect. I want to read to you out of Psalms 127. If you have your Bible, flip over there. Psalm 127. We're going to look at verse 1. Thank you, Greg, for my water. I appreciate it, man. You're a blessing, dude. Happy birthday, by the way. Come on, Greg. You're 39 for how many times in a row now? I'm messing with you. I'm going to step out of that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Psalm 127. Look at verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So, I, you know, I'm certain that I don't have to define this for you. However, what business do we have building the church with strategies and models? I'm not, I'm not saying that models aren't important. I'm not saying that you don't need to have strategies. But I am saying this. Shouldn't we ask God, Lord, What should we be involved in? What should we be doing as a church? In your own personal life, shouldn't you be taking your plan for your family, your plan for your business, your plan for your your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, whatever it is that you're you're strategizing strategizing about, shouldn't you bring your strategy to God and say, God, uh, this is what I've put together. What do you think? What should you do? We went and looked at a building um, last week. Yeah, praise God. We're excited about what God's going to do out in the future. But we went and looked at a building, and I, I asked Roddy to go with me because I knew Roddy had faith, don't you? You're a man of faith, man. And I said, God, I said, I need a man of faith to look at me with this building. <laughs> this building. But I, when I went to look at the building, I said, God, why am I looking at this building? Honestly. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, I want you to picture you guys in it. As you're walking through, I want you to envision yourselves in it. I want you to envision what, what, the, what the auditorium would look like, what the kids' area would look like, what, the, you know, what a, a Bible school might look like in there. Praise God. And so we need God building the house. We need to be submitted to his plan. We need to get him involved so that he can be the chief architect, right? In 1 Corinthians 3, it says God is the one who gives the increase. We don't ever have business taking credit for what God did. Ever. Ever. Man, you guys don't know it, but I remember when we prayed, and I think Rich, it's so good to see you. Rich, I remember you came forward, and I prayed with you, and you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we prayed together. Well, on that day, you remember we had Pastor Sharon. She was a special guest that morning. And I don't know why, but the Lord was just prompting me to ask for people who needed prayer. And we began to pray for people. And we began to believe God for healing for them. And I I remember you and I prayed together. And when I sat down, Sharon elbowed me. Pastor Sharon, she elbowed me. And she said, that's what I was going to do. I said, Pastor Sharon, I'm sorry. I said, but there's more out there. I didn't get them all. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's plenty out there. And then you remember the end. She had the altar full. God was moving. It was so cool. 
So, but let me tell you this. I, I'm not so much about people ha having a worship experience here at the church. I'm about them experiencing Jesus. If a person can experience Jesus, it will change their life forever. They will never be the same. Amen? And so that's number one, is that we make God the chief architect. Two things that we want here at Vision is we want God building the house, and we want God guarding the house. Say amen to that. So that brings an important question. Is what we are doing as a church and what you are doing individually, does it have eternal value? If there's fire put to it, will it burn? Because houses will burn, cars, cars will burn, banks will burn, right? Money, unfortunately, it burns, you know? But what doesn't burn is what we do for eternity. Man, thank you, Lord. And so we want, as a church, our desire is that everything that we do as a church would have eternal value. See, I, don't come in, I didn't come in here with a, just a message for you. I came in here, hopefully, with the Spirit of God to infuse you with power. Man. All right. Where was I at? Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah 29. This is a familiar verse. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'm going to read it to you out of the NLT. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans not just for good, or I'm for good, but not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God has everything planned out. But here's our job, is our job is to find his plan and then to follow his plan. Say that out loud. My job is to find his plan and to follow his plan. Glory to God. And that's number two. We find his plan through prayer. We find his plan through prayer. Now, I need you to hear me on this, okay? Don't get offended. Jeremiah 33, 3, God said this. He said, call to me and I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So that means that you don't know everything. <laughs> In case you were thinking you did. God knows more than we do. He knows things that we don't know. And so he's able to enlighten us. I remember one time I was serving at a church and we were living in Dallas, Texas at the time. And the Spirit of God one morning in prayer spoke to my heart and he said, pack your bags, you're leaving. I mean, are, you mean we're moving? He said, yeah, you're moving. I said, well, Lord, show me where I'm going. And we moved from there, from Dallas. We were serving in a church. That church folded two months later. I got calls from people from that church that said to me, how did you know? I said, I didn't know. Well, how come you left when you left? I said, because the Holy Spirit said, you're leaving. I listened to him. See, he knew things I didn't know. He knows things that you don't know. And so we need to spend time. But how do you know is you have to go to him in prayer. This is what soak is about on Monday nights. And by the way, we're not having soak this Monday. <laughs> it's next Monday. Sometimes when you're putting the, the announcements together, it's kind of tough to gauge where, what happens where. So anyway, so it's next Monday, okay? So don't come tomorrow expecting for soak because we've got one more thing that we do as a family 
to celebrate the holidays. Um, but anyway, so, but that's what soak is for, is it's a time of setting yourself apart, getting quiet before God and posturing yourself in a position where you're a big receiver and you can receive what God wants to speak to your heart. I, it's so wonderful to spend time in prayer and then to have God begin to bound, download to you different things. I can't tell you all, all the stuff that God has downloaded to me just during those times. Now, I want to read to you that something that Jim Cimbala, he's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. I want to read to you something he said. He said, if we call upon the Lord, he has promised in his word to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he has promised nothing, nothing at all. The future will depend upon our times of prayer. Say amen to that. Okay, here's why this is important is because prayer is, is the barometer of the church. It seems to be the thing that sometimes we have the tendency to pay the least amount of attention to. But see, everything that you see in Vision Church, everything that we've done has been birthed in prayer. It's not just the soak on Monday nights. That's, that's a once-a-week event for the church corporately to be able to come together. But it's the daily pressing in to prayer. I'm amazed. The numbers that I was able to show you from just this last year, I, it's like we haven't, we've been in the black ever since we started. And in the natural, you look at it, and the way that we had to start, it, you if you know anything about church planning, it's a miracle. It's nothing but God. And when we humble ourselves before him and we submit ourselves and we posture ourselves in a position where we say, God, I, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. And I'm leaning on you. Sure, I could come up with some ideas. Sure, I could do some things based on my experience. Sure, I have, you know, some wisdom to a degree. But God, nothing compares to your wisdom. And when you begin to press in, man, he begins to lead you and to guide you. And that's what we're doing as a church is we're flowing with him. All I can do is ride the wave that God brought me. Right? Man, well, what a blessing. I'd rather go with him than go alone. Man, thank God we don't have to go alone. Wow. So we need to hear from heaven. And what prayer does is it brings healthy growth. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know. How are you going to know if you don't take time to get still? That means, for me, that happens in the middle of the night because everything's still. I mean, if you hear something in the middle of the night, you're looking out the window wondering what was that, <laughs> what, what happened. You know, nothing is going on in the middle of the night. And for me, that's a precious time that God wakes me up and I get to, and I, I'm so honored to get to, to spend time with him and to, be, get to, and to, and to pray and to hear from heaven. It's important. This is so important. You, you, you know that word, have you ever read in the New King James Version or other versions? You read in Psalms and there's a, an occasional word that you always see and it's the word selah, Right? Well, that translation in the Passion Translation is pause in his presence. That's what needs to happen. We need to take a moment to pause in his presence, to hear 
from heaven. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till we pray, till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. It's got to begin to be a place of priority for us. Prayer. Think about this. Man, I read this and it blew me away. Think about this. You can tell how popular the church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or the speaker or the evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. I, I, I told you, don't be offended. I mean, sometimes we need to drink the medicine. It may not taste good, but it's healing. It's health. It's wholeness for us. And I'm telling you, as a church, we need to be more committed to prayer. Spending time with him as a church body. That's what Monday nights are all about is a time that we can come together and we can spend time in prayer, seeking his face. Amen? Number three, we said find, right? Our job is to find and to follow his plans. Number three, we follow with fasting. We follow with fasting. How many of you are already fasting here at the first part of the year? Okay, two people raising their hands. And I... Nicole taught, or I think, was it Becca that mentioned fasting? Every year as a church, we just, we invite you to fast with us. Um, we're going to fast beginning on Wednesday for 21 days. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. You can start on Wednesday when we're going to start. You can, already, if you're already going, kudos, man. But here's, here's the purpose. Is that when, let me read it to you out of Scripture. That would be better. Turn over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. We're going to look at verse 24. Because fasting, what it does is it postures you in a place of denying self. And this is important. And this scripture will help explain that. Matthew 16. Look at verse 24. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Deny self. What is that? That is denying flesh. Okay? That's what fasting is. is, is it's, it's a way to honor God and to worship God with your flesh. Because how many of you know flesh does what it wants to do? It eats what it wants to eat. It watches what it wants to watch. And when you deny self with fasting, what you're doing is you're denying your body what it desires to have. Now, there's a lot of good in this. I mean, you know, if you even just look at it from a health standpoint, fasting is a very good thing because, you know, if you take seven days and you do a liquid fast, man, think about your body and, and what it does and how it cleanses you. You know, because your digestive system, if you eat three meals a day, it's digesting as many as, as 10 to 13 meals at a time, your digestive system. And so it needs a good purge once in a while. It needs a good clean out. 
So even if you just look at it from health benefits, but let's talk about, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get scientific on you. Not a doctor, I just play one on TV. And, but, I, but I want to talk to you about the spiritual significance of what you're doing. When you are denying flesh, what you're saying is, God, you are more important to me than what my flesh desires right now. And so I'm going to deny my flesh this. So in turn, I can give you my heart for that time. Man, it's so important for us. Think, think about what, what would happen to our lives, our church, our community, if we fasted and prayed, if we truly dedicated ourselves to fasting and prayer. Imagine what would happen. And this place would be on fire. Spirit of God would permeate this place like never before. It would be amazing. Thank you, Lord. Let it happen. Say amen to that. Let it happen. And number four, I'm going to ask the keys to come here. Well, you might as well bring the worship team because we're going to need them. Number four, accept the cost. If we want to grow a healthy church, we need to accept the cost of carrying our cross. Accept the cost of carrying your cross. Man, I've been in church a long time. Most of my life, I was, I was born again at the age of six and began to come to church. So I've been around church most of my life. And I've seen... I thank God for my parents, for my mom and my dad, because they taught me how to be a contributor versus a consumer. You know, there are people that come to church and there's people that contribute to the vision, contribute to what God is doing here. But then there's consumers. Consumers are the people that come and they enjoy the fruit. They enjoy the harvest. They enjoy the spoil of what the hard work produces. You know what I mean? There, I mean, there's people behind the scenes that you don't see in here that have worked hard all week long so that when you come, we have something to bring that will hopefully, hopefully create an environment for you to experience God, experience Jesus. And here's what happens. When a person goes from being a consumer to a contributor, what it does is they move from success in their life to significance because you can enjoy the success of a ministry I was a part of a very large ministry that I grew up in and at one time I remember you know at the time we we joined when I think mom they were running about 500 people in their church something like that huh well it grew yeah it went to 1500 she's saying it grew up to 17,000 people and, but I was interested, I, 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 was, I was so glad that my parents taught me how to be a contributor. Because what, what happens when you become a contributor is it connects you to the vision. And what it does is it puts roots down and you're able to grow to a greater degree because you were sowing into the vision that God has placed in someone else's heart. That's what being a contributor is and that's how it takes you from then being successful to being significant there's a big difference in success and significance 
significance leaves an eternal mark on a person's life. I was honored to, uh, to get to do Jim High's funeral, Holly's husband. Jim went home to be with the Lord. Was that a year, year ago, a year and a half ago? September 12th. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And I remember when we, uh, you know, when we were there at the, it was a graveside funeral and there was a lot of people there. I mean, man, hundred or more, you know, gathered around this uh, enclosure. They had the, you know, this, the, the thing that this was not a tent. It was, it was concrete because it was a, it was a veteran mili- military uh, place. And so anyway, I began to share and the Lord put it on my heart. Do you just want to, you know, you can, you can just give honor to Jim. Or you can honor Jim and. Turn this into something of eternal value for people. And so I began to, I began to share. And I began to share about how Jim would want you to know that he's in heaven now. And he told me days before he passed, went home to be with the Lord, he said, Phil, I'm not afraid to die for the first time in my life. I'm not afraid to die. And so I began to talk about how much God loved them. And I opened up the opportunity for people to receive Jesus. And we prayed together for people to make him the Lord of their life. But how many of you know that it doesn't stop there. All of us had an encounter with God like the people that day did. You know, we've all had encounters with God, but it doesn't stop there because see, you have been born again for a greater call, for good works. That means you and I making a difference in the lives of other people. You and I coming together and grouping together as partners and working for a holy purpose, an eternal purpose. Wow. See, if you do ministry correctly, it takes work. It takes work. You guys remember the Israelites when they, they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and you remember Moses was being the judge and he was the one that would sit where he would sit and all the people would come to him and they'd bring their issues, they'd bring their complaints, they'd bring things that needed to be decided on to Moses. And you remember Moses' father-in-law came and his father-in-law watched him for a day, watched this whole process, watched the long line, watched the people come, watched him sit there day and night dealing with this. And then his father-in-law said to Moses, he said, this is not good. You are going to burn out. If you keep going like this, you're going to burn out. He said, let me give you some advice. He said, okay. He said, he said, select people who can do what you're doing. People that are ministers, people that love God, people that are integral. He said, and put them over thousands and over hundreds and over tens and have the people come to them and bring the hard cases to you and Moses said that's a great idea 
Well, that's what I want to see happen in Vision Church. Because vision wasn't meant to just be a small nucleus of people that do all the work. They come together and set things up and get things ready and do the outreaches. And, and you know, you have, to, you have that small core doing it. But see, if, if we'll grow the core, we can grow the whole fruit. But our core is going to have to grow. Amen. I'll say one more thing and then I want to I pray for you. Some people don't get involved because they, you know, they look at the worship team or they look at people that have talents and abilities and they go, you know, I, I'm just not gifted. I'm not talented like that. I don't, I don't have abilities. Well, let me tell you, God thrives in your inability. He said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. In fact, he said that in 2 Corinthians. So I want to read another thing that Jim Cimbala from Brooklyn Tabernacle said. I love this. He said, I, I discovered an astonishing truth. God is attached to weakness. He's attracted to weakness. No, dear God. He is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. So I want to say this, that if you desperately need him, if you are focused on your weakness, then you're in the perfect position for God to be able to catapult you into ministry. See, if we're too big to serve, we're too small to lead. We've got to be willing to serve. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.